Hello, I'm Jason Solomons and welcome to Seen Any Good Films Lately, the podcast with the latest screen talent, what they're making and what they're watching. I just wanted uh, to show a woman in all her glory and not put her in a box of, you know, bad or good. In the build-up to the Oscars in Hollywood this coming Sunday night, March the 27th, I set the mood with some predictions. We take a trip to BFI's Flair Festival and we hear from director Harry Woodliffe on her sexy new British film, True Things, with Ruth Wilson and one of the UK's risingest stars, the writer, performer, producer, singer, dancer, everything from BBC show Mood, it's Nicole Leckie. That's Nicole Leckie singing Fire from the soundtrack of Mood, sung by my guest on this show. And we'll hear more from her, Nicole Leckie, and her fantastic voice, and from Harry Woodliffe after I tell you if I've seen any good films lately. Ahead of its world premiere as closing night film of the BFI Flair Festival here at South Bank in London, I've seen a film called Tramps! Exclamation mark. It's the work of Canadian filmmaker Kevin Heggie, and it examines the contributions to the London punk and new romantics scenes made by queer and art school figures such as Judy Blame, the jewellery designer, Princess Julia, John Mabry, Scarlet Cannon, DJ Jeffrey Hinton, Andrew Logan and S-Express's Mark Moore. I spoke to Kevin just as he landed in London to get ready for the big night, and I began by asking him if this was his dream spot for a premiere. The idea of it premiering anywhere else was just obscene. It just didn't make any sense because it's a celebratory movie and it's a really celebratory festival and everyone's so kind there. And, and so, yeah, it's perfect. I also asked Kevin Heggie how this scene and club culture reached him from London as a boy growing up in Canada. I grew up in this small town called King Carden, Ontario. And actually, uh, so it's a small town in, in, um, in Ontario, Canada. And actually my sisters were like eight years older than me and had like boy George buttons and things like that. And it's so funny because they don't, it's not important to them anymore at all. But this kind of stuff is like foundational to me. Yeah. But I remember them thinking that boy George was a girl and all that kind of stuff. And well, we all did when, when Karma Chameleon came on and I was the, the, younger than that. I was like, is it my, my dad would come in and say, is that a boy or a girl? You know. <laughs> and it wasn't until later, you know, like when I was gay and all that stuff, that I was kind of like able to really enjoy all of the mind games and things that go into kind of like, are you a boy or a girl and all the gender weirdness, you know, that is so exciting now. And I still have that same boy George button from my sister. Like I kept it and I'll be like, oh, here's your boy, boy George button. And she has no clue. She doesn't remember. She was just a kid. But to me, it was completely foundational. I also told him how, for all their mythological status as founders of music giants such as Spandau Ballet and Visage, his film makes a strong case for those particular scenes and clubs to be viewed as part of a more general artistic and queer community. I love hearing that. I mean, it was really, really important to me to sort of look at the diversity of the art practices that were happening at that time. And you know, if you're a kid in college and say you want to go for photography or something, you might turn out to be like 
a plumber. You know, people talk about the Blitz and everything. Like it's like some huge important thing, but it's just some bar that these kids went to that were in college, you know? And so their intent, their intent as creative youths was kind of my focus. And I love Boy George. I love Boy George, but I wanted to kind of diversify the idea of art practice within that. What's another word for community that we can use? Group of people. Tribe? As space? I don't know. They're all modern. <laughs> They're not good. They're not good. There's no good. There's no good alternative. That's why I was Movement. Yeah, movement. Yeah. It was important for me, well, also to position Boy George and the idea of, of that type of pop star or people who are more visible as a peer more than a kind of like tall poppy or something like that. So even if kids weren't getting, you know, that we don't know that are super famous or anything like that, or died, as is also a thing in the movie. Um, very much. Very, very, very moving, Kevin, that the fact I, I'd forgotten. Listen, we we mythologize a lot of this lot. I'm, I'm with 25 years. I work with Robert Elms on, on, on BBC Radio London, and he's often talking about the new romantic and the blitz. I mean, ad nauseam, to be honest. Uh, and you, you get Gary uh, Kemp in there and, the, you know, get the and the Spandaus and you get, you know, the usual suspects, Rusty, for example. Yours actually told a different story, which I thought was very interesting because it, it sort of kept on the queer lens. And, you know, and if you get Robert's view, it's a it's a very white het um, sort of lens on that same story. Very happily mixing with with George and everyone else. But they, they were definitely straight guys, the Spandals and, and, and Robert. So to hear it from a, a queer angle was was actually really interesting. And to hear about it as a as a place where these guys went is kind of nice. You kind of deflate just deflate the pomposity of uh, of sort of cultural re- cultural reassessment i think yeah well people keep on saying that this thing about like the queer and the gay being central in the lens and da, 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 but i actually never even considered that <laughs> like maybe because that's just your lens right it's a way lens yeah but you know like in terms of spandau ballet and stuff like that like, great band it's great visibility and everything but again like my interest is sort of more in like the the foundational elements when kids were at college and 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 kind of coming from the suburbs and things like Mm. that and so i think that when we talk about things like and i don't mean this in any disregard to spano ballet or the durans or anything like that but my interest was more in kind of um kids just coming from suburbs and coming to this huge city and and survival. That's a huge element to me is the art of survival. And when you're a creative person or or you think that you're gonna you want to become a creative person and and how you can survive and then and then flash forward to when you're 40, it's obviously a personal experience. Yes. This idea of survival and why did you do that? There's not a lot of reference points when you're talking to pop stars about that kind of thing about survival in terms of the way that I was looking to mm-hmm. Talk about. And Tramps will be closing Flair on Saturday night at BFI South Bank, and it should be a right old party. And then, the night after that, talking to parties from Los Angeles, it's the Oscars. I've filled out my predictions ballot, and let me say here, I think Coda is going to win. There's been a late surge of affection for the film, which I'm very fond of too myself, and it's crucially secured some top guild wins at the PGA and the WGA in the last week. And I think it'll win because it's simply a more heartwarming film than The Power of the Dog, which is the front runner with all the nominations. It's a film which people admire more than they love. And in general, it's been a front runner for so long now, and that has been a problem for some films they've tripped up in the last hurdle recently films such as 1917 and roma 
which have won, say, at the BAFTAs, and La La Land, even, for that matter. They've won at the BAFTAs and somehow stumbled in the final week, as if Oscar went, right, well, what BAFTA's doing, we're going to do the opposite of. And they've been overtaken by something different, like Parasite or Green Book or, of course, Right at the Death, Moonlight. And I think Coda is that movie, for me, this year. Okay, what else might win? My ballot says Will Smith and Jessica Chastain. Uh, for actor and actress, Troy Concer from Coda and Ariana DeBose from West Side Story for supporting actors, Campion for director, yep, Summer of Soul for documentary, yes, uh, Drive My Car for the International Award, I can't say that that doesn't deserve it, although I love Worst Person in the World and of course I love Hand of God and I love Parallel Mothers, uh, it's very hard that one, uh, Encanto for animated, I'm sorry, Flea, great as you are i just think encanto's got that one dune for quite a few technical reasons will win and even score maybe for Hans zimmer and song well i think you've got lin manuel miranda up there for encanto's dos oreguitas which isn't even the best song in encanto so that's a strange one um and i think it'll win because beyonce's is maybe too much of a belter her track from uh the will smith film king richard be alive and they can't give it to another Bond song, can they? Unless they think, oh, Billie Eilish, down with the kids, aren't we trendy? Let's make that uh, the winner. They, Bond songs just didn't win for years and then they suddenly win them always. And look, sometimes you just don't know. And I go, don't know for sure. And that's why we keep watching the Oscars. I'll be on the BBC News channel Monday morning with the results show to see how I scored and to review how the evening went. The hosts, the speeches, the jokes, the Ukraine support, and of course, the songs. From one soul icon to another, let's go to new star Nicole Leckie, now claiming her fame in BBC show Mood, playing wannabe singer Sasha, who ends up couch surfing with a machete-wielding drug dealer before being alerted to the growing trade in sex cam social media and taking up with a girlfriend called Carly. All the while, she keeps bursting into song to comment on the action. And Nicole Leckie does it all. The singing and the dancing, the moves and the tunes and the eye-catching performance. It's quite the star-making role. And it began as a one-woman show called Super Ho at the Royal Court Theatre before jumping to TV, where it is now grabbing the attention. So I urge you to catch it up all on iPlayer. It's very bingeable, very watchable and very new. So I thought we should get to know her on this show. So I spoke to Nicole Leckie and I wondered, what came first, the play and the plot or the songs and the character of Sasha. I guess the story, like the genesis of the idea came first because I had seen this website where they were, there's quite a few of them where they basically shame these young women for secretly being sex workers. And then they put it up on this website and I saw that and I kind of wanted to go, right, who are the young women on these sites? And who would somebody like that be? And that's kind of when the character of Sasha came to me. And then I, I kind of fleshed out this journey I wanted her to go on. So kind of the idea first, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to, to when you watch it. For me, the, the singing, the character, her face, her kind of 
world is i didn't know that it was a sort of you know that the, the sex world was the impulse for it i just thought that was another episode that she did so i'm really intrigued to find that out yeah it was it was because i found that a lot of these young women they all had these big ambitions and usually they were like models or singers actresses and and they were always kind of in the creative world that kind of made me want to explore the the world of like a sex worker but also this like deeply ambitious young woman from a kind of with a troubled past and why somebody might make those decisions it's very um sort of up to the minute with the socials and the representation we've suddenly cracked how to represent um the, our digital lives on screen mm. you know your 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 gram you you're going viral uh, with your chicken nuggets whatever you're singing about <laughs> <laughs> big tune and, um, and you know everything coming up and the scrolling and then the sex talk mm. as well that's that's been a, it's taken i think that certainly movies have have struggled with it whereas i see you know emily in paris and i see the yeah. tinder swindler and i see your show they're really smart about how to do that are you involved with with that yeah um so we worked with a great company called lock and a graphic designer and yeah you kind of want it to feel alive and also even when I'm writing scripts the social media is another part of the narrative and I was like you can't really exist now I mean some people might without that being a kind of extension of you everybody's got their phone and and that's how you communicate so it's a great way to kind of get insight into a character actually to you know, if anybody ever went through somebody's phone, you you get a lot more detail actually about that person. I'm sure. Oh my so god! So it's it's really a great tool actually, and I loved like we had like a RuPaul's Drag Race kind of gif in episode one, and I was just like, please, can we have that? I love um, because that's what you do. You know, instead to respond to somebody, you just send like a little gif with somebody being like, woo, or whatever it is. So I was, I was quite chuffed about that. Tell okay. me about you. Your voice is brilliant. You sound great. Mm. Some of your beats are sick, if I may use a modern term. Well, I didn't make the beats, actually. I wrote the lyrics, wrote the melodies, the songs, but I had worked with some amazing producers. You did, didn't you? I mean, it sounds fabulous, you know, really good. Some of the Thank songs, but some of the songs are just funny and witty and cheeky and naughty. What, what, mm. the, what are your musical references what what where, where are you at with the music do you know what I do have a very kind of eclectic taste I think you'll see even we do a cover of fuck forever the baby shambles um number and I do like a Donna Summer cover do, like yeah, so I love yeah. like disco and and kind of like house music like loved that growing up I'm no, a child of, of like state of independence isn't it sorry state of independence like, yes I get my musical youth and Donna, Donna summer collabs state of like. independence absolute gem of a song um so I did like a new arrangement new rendition of that so a lot of people don't even recognize that one actually I took me a kind while of... until you went until I was like I know this Shivlamadi. Shivlamadi. anyway <laughs> I was with them I, I'll tell you what I loved the one that had me was the yeah. job center yes song. Which was genius. Do you know what? That's me tapping into like the kind of Cockney old time musical. I really wanted it to have like, because it's this community feel, I sort of had said to the producer, I've got these lyrics and I want it to feel like all the community is kind of coming together. And it made me think of like, you know, like carnival when you've got white people, black people, everybody, and they're in this like housing office. And I said, that's kind of like scar reggae, that kind of like joyous feeling and, also, just for me, a very kind of London vibe, even though it's got this kind of Caribbean influence. So 
that was what I was channeling okay. for for that number. And the sort um, of the, the in situ bursting into song. I had a La La Land feel to me that that was you know mm-hmm. that, that word. Or I don't know if there was even more the more realistic musicals that you know that, that the French did, Umbrellas of Cherbourg and all of that. I didn't know. If, what, oh wow, yeah. yeah. Well, it was it was. Um, for me, it's probably the most musical theatre moment in the in the show. Oh, is it? I want more. Show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it is in terms of like everybody coming in together. But definitely I was channeling that kind of old time feel, that like ragtime yeah. kind of feeling. Um, everybody in it together. A bit Oliver as well. It is a bit Oliver, yeah, it's absolutely. Like vibe, everyone comes in and yeah. kind of by the end they're all kind of doing it. And, except you're using the C word, which is... Uh, yes, impressive. we are doing impressive. that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know still how I got away with that. But I you just, sort of forget I'm saying it because it's so like, fun. You're saying it, and you're saying it a lot, so maybe you're not. <laughs> so maybe I'm going deaf. Maybe it's not that word. <laughs> maybe it is. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. No money, more bills. Nana's doing crack again. Food banks, bills. All alone, it's a shame. Paycheck to paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. Nicole with a circumflex on the O, please. Nicole Leckie, check out Mood. Big recommend from me. So, with all the Oscars hype, it's easy to forget the little gems to catch at the cinema, one of which is True Things, starring Ruth Wilson in her best and most complex role to date, certainly on the big screen. She's great here as a young woman in Ramsgate, who works in a job centre and who gets flirty attention from a bleach blonde bloke who won't fill in his benefit form and keeps asking her what she's doing for lunch. Uh, she says, all right, <laughs> and they go for a shag in the multi-storey car park. It's an illicit rush which sparks this heady sexual relationship, which begins well and then goes electrically wrong, as we know it would because he's a wrong'un, played by Tong Burke, who was also a wrong'un in the souvenir, so we know. Uh, and at least he was a wrong'un for her. Put your clothes off, then. Shy, aren't you? You show me yours and I'll show you mine. This too, please. Beautiful text. Thank you. Very well brought up indeed. True Things is directed by Harry Woodliffe, who made her debut with Only You, another very sexy British film with Josh O'Connor and Lia Costa. And it struck me as very unusual to have a British director so confident and comfortable dealing with and filming sex, certainly in British cinema. So I began by asking Harry what the thoughts and motivations behind making this film this way were. To encourage people to be their their authentic selves and not... uh looking for a knight in shining armor to save them from the perils 
of their own existential angst. <laughs> it's a very good it's a very good reason, you know, and I think a lot of people need to be reminded of that somehow. Yeah. I don't know why still after all this time, but we do go in pursuit of a romantic ideal. I think we do and I think we really are sold this idea that that it will solve that it will make us happy and that it is the main thing that's going to make us happy. And also I guess like in the film it make you know it makes you uh infatuation does make you happy and infatuation is quite addictive um but once the infatuation is gone you're just left with yourself mm-hmm. or or once the infatuation is gone you're just left alone <laughs> yeah it's quite deflating isn't it i suppose when it all when it all sort of crumbles down it can be jason <laughs> i don't i don't know obviously I've i mean i wouldn't know because i've never been spurned by anybody of course you also, you know, they're spurned by they're uh, she's she's not the victim and he's not the he's not the evil perpetrator either he he's not strong he she's not weak she she's also strong she makes bad decisions but she's smart i just wanted uh, to show a woman in all her glory and not put her in a box of you know bad or good how much did you work with uh, Ruth Wilson on this? Because I know it's her production company. She was given the novel and found it. Yeah. Um, so how did she, she bring it to you? And what did you bring to it and say, we're going to concentrate on? Yeah, she she brought the book to me. And I um, said that I wanted to concentrate on... In the, in the book, there is um, also domestic abuse. Yeah. So it's a violent relationship. And I, I felt you had to get rid of all that to highlight the other, the other part of the book, which is the in what infatuation does to you i felt like it would be too black and white and you would just immediately feel don't be with this person but i wanted to create uh, a narrative which um shed a light on on a the kind of grayness of those relationships you know is 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 someone commenting on your shoes not a good thing is someone saying they're your soulmate and then they're not your soulmate is that bad or where does that leave you? I also wanted to make sure that she wasn't latching onto nothing. She's not, she's not ridiculous. She's even to say she's being led on does a disservice to her. They're in a relationship and she is just reacting, I think in quite a logical for much, for the much part. And then I pushed it as far as I could, you know, probably in real, in, in my experiences, I, you know, I haven't, my room hasn't tipped upside down and I haven't, you know, collapsed onto the floor, but, so we just pushed it as you far as You must have I had could. some heartaches, Harry. You've been... I have had heartaches. Good. But, yeah. <laughs> well, not good, but obviously you're a director and, I, and you put them up on screen and you've got feelings. I, I mean, I did just I just pushed it as far visually and emotionally as I could. Yeah. And, and definitely tapped into my, yeah, my own heartaches and my own confusion and my own... I mean, what, what made... What, it also was interesting to me, you know, you make a film like that and then you're, you... The character is, a, is on reflection a bit, not who I thought she was. I mean, she's really determined. You know, me, Ruth and I were, didn't want to make her a victim, but you know, I'm very much with every step of every step that she takes is a step I would take. And she's very determined. She she wants to be with him, and um, you know, the film only stops once she's decided she doesn't want to be with him. Mm. Would you but, have uh, Would you have sex in a multi-story car park? I don't. Well, I'm, I'm not asking you out. I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I. I mean, there's another thing Ruth and I talked about was her sexuality. Like, is she someone in touch with her sexuality or does he awaken her sexuality? And we decided it's more interesting if she's in touch with her sexuality. Mm. Because are women just looking, you know, for flowers and chocolates and romance? No, we're looking for everything as well. And why can't we have sexual desire? Why why can't we have be go on a sexual adventure? Why 
why is having sex in a car park with a stranger exciting and fun to a man and not to a woman? To, to me, it's exciting and fun. And um, and I'm not going to talk about whether... <laughs> whether or it's t- it turns into like true dare. True, true dare. Truth or dare. Um, yeah, truth <laughs> or dare. Because then I have to ask you the same. And then we go, have you ever not in a multi-story then, car park. You know, yes, on, so, on a main road or in a car Exactly. Car. See, it's fun. So I guess I'm... I, I want to show... You know, as her friend says, you know, you're you're a slut, and it's like, honestly, in this day and age, why? And I, I think there is a perception that there is judgment on a woman of how and when and how she would have sex. It's not like she's really dysfunctional going out and having sex with loads of men every week and shagging lots of people in lots of car parks. You know, it's she does something daring, mm. and she, but she's, she's a single woman it. with a, she's a single child. woman. There's got to be certain, you know. Yeah, got to be perks it's, to it. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you this, and I don't mean, and I, I hope you mean this as as adultly and as intellectually as we can. Yeah, is that you're very good at sex, Harry? Thanks. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you've been told it many times, but I'm referring to the two films of yours that I've recently. Yeah, I think seen. I found my niche. Well, I mean, I I, I don't mean to, I have described yeah. you, I think, in print or or, or on my shows. As, as someone who is uh, unusually good at depicting sex in the British film sphere. Yeah. And it seems to me that we don't do it very often uh, in British cinema, yeah. certainly not in the way you did. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of asking where you took your influences from. Were you aware that this was something that needed doing and, and talking about as we are now uh, and discussing, but using the visuals to do so? I mean, I think it's, um, you know, it's there's always something going on. Like there's always... A context you know either it's very passionate and it's very equal or it's boring or you don't like them or you're annoyed or you're upset like so very much sort of thinking about well what's the emotional currency in the scene and then actually me and Ruth talking a lot about um the nudity and for me I, I sort of thought in this film because I actually there's been a lot of nudity in films lately and I'm kind of a bit bored of nudity and I find it distracting even in sort of uh scenes that have that have been commented on as being really good sex scenes. And I just think, but you see her breasts for so long and it's distracting, I think. So it was really like, how how can we show as little flesh as possible and make it as sexy and as intimate as possible? Mm. We talked about, for instance, I'm not sure everyone will get it, but the sex, the sort of, what it's like being a woman having sex and why you're having it. And one of the most interesting scenes that we talked about was by the lake, which is a sort of like, it's a favour. It's like a gift. <laughs> it's a very sexy scene. That's interesting because I think she, and also this the fact that being, you know, what is exciting for a woman, you know, the fact that she's desired and the fact that he wants her so much and uh, is, is that's what she wants in that, you know, she doesn't want to have an orgasm. She just wants that experience. I think it's the sexiest yeah. Ruth Wilson scene I've ever seen. I think it's unusual in British cinema. I really do. I can't really think of, you know, great. I mean, probably the great sex scenes in British cinema are up. You can name, don't look now. Yeah. You know, um, and now I'm struggling now. after. <laughs> I'm struggling <laughs> after that. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe everyone isn't as interested in it as me. <laughs> <laughs> I am. But I'm not interested. In, I'm interested in the yeah, the the dynamic, what's going on emotionally. Yeah, and but I think we, you know, actually, we all grew up falling in love with cinema at some point, and I can't yeah. lie that I fell in love with certain sex scenes, you know, as a teenager, yeah. and thought, wow, yeah. that's amazing. And they tended not to be in British cinema. I guess because it's exciting, isn't it? It's 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 sort of thrilling. It's nerve wracking. It's awkward it's 
I guess I want to I want to feel things. I I I want to feel not uncomfortable in a bad way, but I want to have had an experience when I go in the cinema. So I guess that's what I'm trying to to send out there into the world. Has it changed the aesthetic for you as a filmmaker? The fact that there is porn porn hub now, you know, again, when I was younger, porn was a sort of almost glamorous thing in a sort of ma- magazine. You know, I'm sure it was a very yeah. shady enterprise, really, but yeah. it was a top shelf kind of out of reach thing. And it was, you know, produced, you know, it was a penthouse yeah. and it was soft porn, but there was, it was, now it's a sort of, you know, rather tawdry thing that happens in, in people's bed, you know, that we see Pornhub everywhere. Um, you know, one click I think that's why I didn't want to show I wanted to show as, as little, not skin, but yeah. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. It's so commonplace now, in a way, porn, that it sort of doesn't feel so exciting. Yeah, to see parts of the body. What feels more exciting is, I don't know what, yeah, what the what, what, what what's going on emotionally. Yeah. Did you use intimacy coordinators? You can't really not use an intimacy coordinator. No, it, it, I think you really can't. Mm. I mean, it just probably, I don't know if it's illegal or I don't know. Part of Maybe illegal, exactly. Because <laughs> I'd made only you, we didn't have an intimacy coordinator. Oh, so it's been that that the, the, the rule has come in in between yeah. your two. Yes, exactly. Sexual explorative um, dramas. Exactly. So I trained as a dancer, so I very much choreographed the scenes like a dance, and then once the actors know. Uh, you know, so we're going to go in, we're going to hold for three, and we'll kiss, and they kind of do it, we're just bringing their heads together, and then we're going to go out, you're going to put your hand down, and you're going to hold it there for like, should we hold it there for what feels good, like four seconds, so that you're not going, oh, am I, you know, are we through with this kiss, yes, or yet, or that, or Tom isn't thinking, I've been squeezing the inside of her thigh, like, I've got my hand in her knickers for five seconds, is it, it you know, should I be doing it longer? Will Ruth think it's weird? You know, everything's sort of planned. So it's really then they can just think about um, how they how they feel and what they think and what what the character's thinking about. And um, Eater O'Brien, who um, we used Eater and Mariam, who Eater trained. Eater also trained in dance, so she she approaches um, um, intimate scenes in the same way I do. So I said, as I've done so many on Only You, I'd like to direct my own scenes. But um, Miriam, who who ended up being with us was brilliant because she was just, she was like, Harry, I won't interfere. I'm just here if you need me, you know? And so it was nice. I could say, did you see that? And generally she was just very sweet. She went, that's beautiful, Harry. She's like, what is she Australia? That's beautiful. She just say really nice things like that's beautiful. But what was great was, you know, Ruth and Tom, she could talk to Ruth and Tom about their underwear and what cushion they needed. Like, so, so, you know, he was thrusting onto her, bum and does he want a cushion there between them and when her knickers come off what other knickers is she wearing under the knickers and all that all that that kind of stuff or yeah so stuff to do with you know modesty and and also I feel like and and I feel like it's covered for me that they've got someone if they feel uncomfortable they they're not going to say I was really uncomfortable with Harry and and it was awful, but because they've got somebody to talk to about that who would then tell me. So it makes me feel that's kind of safe having someone there as my sort of person to know that I didn't do anything bad as well. Do you think, do you think it's different being a, a female filmmaker and, and, and filming sex to, with, with a female gaze to, more, let's say, traditionally in the 70s, 80s, we would have um, definite male gaze uh, filmmakers? No, it's in a way harder. You know, it's always feeling like we need to protect the woman in a sex scene. As a man directing a woman, I wonder if they would come with more baggage and feel more awkward about it than I do. Whereas I've sort of got the privilege of being a woman telling a man what, you know, or directing a man in a sex scene. I don't know. It's not so, 
it's not such sort of like awkward complex terrain yeah. for me in a way yeah. um but i do think what was great especially as the, at the, in the lake scene it was really fun to work out the different ways that a woman is enjoying sex that's not all that's very different to a man because there are ways i think i i i think so i i <laughs> never asked Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. i hope so yeah um Look, I, I'm wondering, is it is it sexy shooting a sex scene? I mean, it sounds, you know, the, the, uh, I don't no, think it is. No, not really. Is no. But, but, yeah, I mean, God, is it sexy? It's kind of sexy, as in you do feel you're watching something rude on, on your little screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's working, you do feel like, wow, it's, you know, I'm really, I'm watching two people have sex. And, yeah. and, and that's kind of like... Yeah, it's a bit. That's a bit rude. Good acting. Good acting is sexy. I think whether whether it's in a sex scene or not. So you're seeing two very good actors, whether it's Josh and Laya or or, or Ruth and Tom here. Yeah, exactly. Doing thing, and they're young people, and they're characters that you've lived with. I, I, yeah. And there was the thing in the the car park scene where he puts his hand up her skirt, and then you know you think he's got his hands in his knickers, and you, you are watching it going. My goodness! I think what's what's always embarrassing is watching it watching it in the edit with the editor, um, because. You're watching bits over and over again. And also it's very long when you watch it and then you cut it up. So you have to sit there and watch extremely long sex things. <laughs> yeah. In I a dark but, room. But you want it to be hot. You know, or, or it could be yeah, hot. You know, your, exactly. your, set, your sex in the films, both of your films, tells yeah. us quite, tells quite a story. Sometimes it's hot sex. Sometimes it's breakup yeah. sex. Sometimes it's makeup yeah. sex. Sometimes it's, yeah. it's you know, it's kind of, stru- yeah. you know, it's it's kind of unpleasant sex at, at yeah. times. And when it, when it, when it, like in True Things, a lot of the sex should feel sexy because... That's how it they, it feels between them. So you're trying to create that feeling that feels honest. Um, what films were a, an influence um, on this project? My research for Polanski's Repulsion, mm. Tarkovsky's Ivan's Childhood and the Mirror, and the Under Under the Skin, the old one. That's the Karen Adler film. Karen Adler film with uh, Samantha Morton. Exactly. Those yeah. Were mine. Those and were mine. and um, Claire Rushbrook. Yes, exactly. She's in that previous Brilliant. guest a couple of weeks ago on this very show. Ah, you see? Yeah. What was the first film you ever saw? It was when I skived off school. I saw um, Hannah and Her Sisters, which is really weird. I only skived off school once, yeah. And you saw that? Yeah, they were showing it. I don't know why. Yeah. What a brilliant one. I mean... I know, what a brilliant thing, isn't it? It's quite just a weird, like... It's a really weird thing. And I was just really nervous. I'd see some um, of my, like, parents' friends or something. And, it, and it's the sort of film that it's about, because he skives off and goes and sees yeah, the Marx Brothers. I, I really that. love that. I really love that film. So, yeah. Have you got a film poster on your wall? Uh, the Sergio, I remember this, the Sergio Leone poster. It's like um, an, a replica of an old, it's a little one. It's very nice. Yeah. And that's, the, but did you have one when it's you were... It's full of dollars. Pardon? It's full of dollars. Did you have one when you were growing up or was that when you just uh, now? I couldn't remember that I had any and I don't know why I didn't have any. Because you probably had pop stars and dancers and... Yeah, I can't. I can't really remember. I just remember there was a there was a pin board, and I can't remember what's on it. It's a blank. I just remember picking off all the the board. Yeah, so it was by my bed. So just. <laughs> Where's your favourite cinema? Um, well, I'm going to say the Picture House, Hackney Picture House, because that's where where I, I I reside, and it is beautiful. And it's yeah. your local. It's my local, yeah. So do you nip to it at, in, at sort of strange times? Do you skive off now like you did and go and see Hannah and Sisters? Do you, do you take... uh, I'm very conscientious, but um, I realised, me and my partner realised that with children, because you, you, know, you can't be very spontaneous, but mm. you can be spontaneous on yourself, uh, on your own. So yeah. you can go on a Friday night, I'm going to go to the cinema tonight, just go on your own. So we sort of got in, quite into doing that. 
which I told someone about, and I think they saw it as a, like a sad reflection on a relationship. Well, no, because I, you're yeah. not going to pay for a babysitter just to go, you know, exactly. For that. So and it, I see it, it as a very in. nice, exactly. What was the last thing you went? To, what did you last go and see on your own? Our mother's probably, and then lost daughter before that. Maggie Gyllenhaal with Olivia Colman. Yeah. Yes. And then I, I saw um, uh, the Mike Mills film. Oh, come on, come on. Come on, come on. So keep thinking. You need a notebook, Harry Whitliffe. I so need a notebook. <laughs> and I re- realised when you were interviewed, you should write down the question. By the time I started talking, I can't remember the question two sentences into the, uh, into my... There you go. Well, I think it's charming, but um, I... Those two films that you mentioned, Lost Daughter and Parallel yeah. Mothers, they were both at Venice while you were there, you see. Yes. If you had not... I was only there very briefly. I was, I was shooting, so I had to come for like literally two days and then oh so you've shot something in between already i shot the last um episode of his dark materials did you yeah how was that it's massive isn't it yeah no it was it was great it was um you know you get cranes and things yeah we shot it in spain it was amazing yeah no sex in that one well you see it's the last one so it's where the teenagers fall in love is now older yeah and so it's uh, i was um, tried to make a very a kiss that was very meaningful and that implied without us seeing that they would probably have sex but in a very unsexual way that's very acceptable to children. Yeah. It's very complicated. Because it's a quite grown-up stage now because Daphne Keane's older now. Exactly, I know yeah. This, I've known her since she was embryonic. I, I, oh. I was at her parents' wedding, so they're, they're oh. friends of mine. So it's so amazing yeah, to they, see they her. They now put her in many, many vests to squash down her breasts. Oh, of course, yeah, she's grown up. She's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. She's fantastic, I have to say. I mean, her she's parents brilliant. are brilliant too yeah. in their own, but this girl, I don't know what, they've spawned some absolute Brilliant. She was superstar. brilliant. I loved them. Um, so my episode was really just directing the teenagers, and it was really, really great. And and do you did you enjoy the, that sort of it's not a step up it's very different isn't it? Enjoy the scale yeah. of it and and seeing how you work with the with the you know with the puppets and how you film something so it looks like a kind of more like a sort of Spielberg Spielberg movie than a than a handheld intimate drama and and how you achieve that it was interesting to see and then to watch in the edit and go yeah it look it looks like it should look that's fun. Yeah, and of course it's got an established aesthetic already because people have been there exactly. before you, so you're exactly. Sort of... So it's got a little bit. I mean, you're very much free to do what you want, but you want to kind of go with the with the vibe of the show and then put your own stuff in there. But um, yeah, doing the very last one was a, was a was really cool to finish off. So for other things, your sequel yeah. to True Thing to True Thing. Oh yeah. Uh, are you are you working on an intimate scale again? I'm trying to grow bigger. Mm. Um, so one of them might is possibly. Um, a period um, sort of Jacobean drama. So that by its very nature is kind of yeah. uh, big. Big budgets. And the other one is a sort of like um, family story, but maybe more sort of horror-ish. So yeah, trying to kind of push things in. And you're writing, you always write now. You're write, writing director. Um, I'm, I'm, all, I'm always writing, but I don't mind, um, you know, if someone wants to write something brilliant. Um, and hand it to me like oh, my homework's been done for me. That would <laughs> yeah. be nice. Uh, I'm going to give you the power of time travel. Quick question: Go to oh. a set. Go to a go to any oh, set. I, yeah, the Bugsy Malone. My name is Tallulah scene. I want to go back to that. <laughs> How brilliant! Because I really, really loved watching that as a child, and I really wanted to be the um, Bugsy Malone. Um, you want to be Bugsy, or you want to be Tallulah? No, I wanted to be the Jodie Foster part. Yeah. 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 And you want to go to that bit rather than like the custard pie? For the, the... Oh, yes, I do. And you know what? I, I watched it again just before the show. Um, I don't know, for fun. And I was like, yeah, it's brilliant. I still want to be Jodie Foster. <laughs>
<laughs> I don't blame you. She's kind yeah. of the coolest thing on the camera there. Coolest thing on the camera, yeah. Yeah, and then she did Taxi Driver just at the sort of same time. So yeah, no, she's an amazing child, isn't that she? That is an extraordinary thing. Yeah. Is that is that your favourite musical moment in film? My favourite musical moment. So I can't. Uh, might be funny that you should ask me that. Chorus line. See, they're all dancey. Because yeah, you're a dancer. dancer. It's funny, and it became, and it is chorus line that I used to love. Love that film once again when I was a child. And um, there's this um, song where he goes, "God, I need this job. I really need this job," which is kind of you know story of an artist's life, isn't it? Yeah. I do like a chorus. I haven't seen a chorus line for a long time. Richard Attenborough, isn't it? Did the did the Sorry? movie? I think Richard Attenborough directed the movie. Strange. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, and I watched it recently. Actually, it's still really good. I've given you lots of homework for this. If you're watching Bugsy Malone, and, and I didn't uh, watch so... that recently for this. Yeah, I only watched the Bugsy Malone. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a singular sensation. That's one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. And out of them all, yeah. Yeah. And I did want to say that my Have you ever fallen in love at the movies? Was yeah. watching the Lenny Abrahamson Garage. I think it's a really unlikely date movie. It is. And it really was like a very, very early date. And my partner now, we, we sort of had this date arranged and I didn't want to be the first one to sort of call and then go, are we still having this date? So you sort of tried to hold off. And then about four o'clock, I, I sort of texted and didn't get a text back and then called and went, are we having this date? And he was like, just, I'm really busy. I'm just really, I didn't really know him. I went, you can't be bit. I mean, we're going to see it. <laughs> So yeah, so we we went to see it, and uh, that was our clincher. So. That was it, garage. That's the one. Yeah. They're, they're sort of um, are they drug addicts in that one? No, no, they're not. No, they're not drug addicts. I think that's Adlenin thinks... and Paul. Something on Paul. They're drug addicts. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a very typical date movie, it's but it gritty. did because yeah. we both loved it. So that's good. there you go. So you felt it. Luck was good as well because he was exactly. a bit resistant going, and then you're like, ah, oh, well, at least we've got the same taste. Exactly. Grungy, Lenny yeah. Abrahamson movies. Yes. Yes, and normal people. They're set that which Lenny directed as well. That's that was sex. That's sexy on telly. That's unusual. Yeah, that sexy was sexy on telly. Sexy yeah. Um, thank you for reminding me of that. Falling in love with the movies because it's double edged. There is going on a date, and there is falling in love, which one would do in your movies with Ruth Wilson or with Tom oh, Burke yeah. or with Liar or with Josh. You know, your, yes. your films very much ask you to fall in love. I think yeah. with either character, and I think that's yeah. the, the very strong impulse. I do it all the time in cinema. It's terrible, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know it's if you do fun. that as a, as a director. I, do. I just feel I, in love. I fall in love. Uh, I mean, I definitely I fall in love with my actors, definitely. And and also, it's so um, unnatural, you know. Every day, looking at Ruth's face, this big in an edit, I'm 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 besotted with her. She's got an amazing face, though, Ruth Wilson. She has got she? an amazing face. And at one point, because my baby was very young when I made it, it was like six weeks when we went into production, very young. And so she was there throughout the whole process and in the edit and everything. And I was like, I, I, I said to my partner, I think Stella really looks like Ruth Wilson. Because she's just sort of more, everything looks like Ruth Wilson after you stare yeah, at that. Yeah, I don't know, it's like... <laughs> that enigmatic face as yeah. well. When you interview yeah. her, when I've interviewed her, it was face-to-face -face actually, as you know, in Vegas. Yeah, she's you know, so enigmatic. And, I, yeah. and I've met, met, interviewed her many times, but it's kind of funny when you look at her back and you just kind of like... Uh, it's not that she's hiding. I don't think she's hiding anything. I don't know. It's just um, uh, no. Right. She's really mesmerising, and she's and she's a she's so many people in one. Per, you know, she looks so different. She. I saw um her play the Human Voice the other night. Oh, that's opened, is it? Right. Okay. Good. It's incredible, and she's she's so a master of of acting. You know, she's so like a gymnast. She's so changeable and um, free and. Uh, yeah. I think it hampered her at the start. Everyone was going, Ruth Wilson, she's going to be the next big thing. Ruth Wilson's the next big yeah. thing. And then she'd sort of show up at things or she'd be in something. 
And yeah. I'd be like, which one was she? I, I, it took me like a three or four films to kind of realise which yeah. one she was. That's how protean yeah. and chameleonic yeah. she is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, she's certainly in your bloody film, that's for sure. No yeah. mistake in her in that one. Yeah, she's brilliant. Yeah, really good. Harry, lovely to see you. Yeah, lovely. Lovely to talk to you. And thank you for directing me so well and getting back, getting me back on point to, your, to, to, to the questions that I set you as your homework. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and congratulations on True Things. Look, I can't wait to see, I can't see, to see your next things, your other uh, things, all the thank things. Thank you. Yeah. And um, yeah, n- nice to talk to you about yeah. your things as well. Keep in yeah. touch, yeah? Yeah, I will do. Thank you. And True Things is out here in the UK on April the 1st. It's very sexy. And that brings us to a close for this edition. Thanks to Kevin Heggie and to Tramps, to Nicole Leckie with the Circumflex and Mood and to Harry Woodliffe for True Things and to Kate Dawkins for putting all of this together. Fill in your predictions, make your picks and I'll see you on Monday morning on BBC News with The Results Show with me and Jane Hill. You can join me every Tuesday night, 8 till 10, live on totallywiredradio.com or anytime on Catch Up on Mixcloud or on our own website and if you want to read you can always read my website jasonsolomons.com or i'm in the new european most weeks certainly this week with a piece about oscar nominee worst person in the world which is just a brilliant film totally recommended with four at least four of the best scenes of the year in that one movie it's the best date movie around at the moment and it's got a brilliant soundtrack which i must have used already like three or four times for my movie tune of the week so i'm going to put my money and music where my mouth is And let's go out instead with a song from Coda that's got everyone with a heart in floods of winning tears. Good luck to it. Good luck to all on both sides now. And if you care, don't let them know. Don't give yourself away. I've looked a lot from both sides now for all give and take. I recall I really don't know love at all